0: Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Mac Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talk. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana.
1: Good evening. Welcome back to another adventure in history. We have an amazing guest this evening amazing. joining. Amazing, This wow. is like, actually, this is a year in the making. <laughs> I, I tried booking this guest a year ago. It was a year ago <laughs> and it did not work until and today, I, and this I week.
2: And I just met her a moment ago yes. and I think I know why. Right. She travels all around the state.
1: Just a little busy. In a
2: volunteer gig, not even a paid gig.
1: Right. It's a volunteer so, gig.
2: So we will talk about because that. Because
1: she's retired, has a job, and does this other gig, too. But we have Debbie Little. We're going to get more into her. But thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. A big tease, too. It is right? a big tease. It is a big tease
2: but we got things coming up we got a plug really fast because oh, yes. we do have a great guest we don't want to take too much time away from her yes um but uh, our annual the historical society annual casino night
1: i'm excited is this
2: saturday night
1: it's gonna be fun
2: it's at the heritage museum it's a 1920 speakeasy you can dress in costume there's prizes for best costume it's funny money gambling and then there's there's tons of prizes Yes. And if you want to come, uh, the door's open at 6. The back door, the black Ooh, door, it's I in the that. basement on the north side of the Heritage Museum. And you have to knock three times and say, Joe sent me. Because you might be <laughs> you might be a revenue agent or you might be a cop or something like that. And there's gambling going on. So right. you have to know the password. And the password is Joe sent me. All right. And that's the only way we will open that door <laughs> is if you say, Joe sent
1: me. That or if they flash some money up to the...
2: Well, that that probably too. Okay,
1: yeah. <laughs> Doors
2: open at six. The gambling starts at six thirty. Uh, there's gonna be great hors d'oeuvres from uh, Fulios. Oh, yum! Uh, that are free, and then there is a bar that is, is that the bar decidedly not free.
1: Right. <laughs> That's okay. It's a <laughs> and fundraiser, you,
2: and you can always buy extra money fake money to gamble
1: with. Oh, good.
2: Um, and the gambling goes from 6.30 to eight th- to uh, three hours later to 9.30. Okay. And then we'll wrap it up and give away some prizes. There's also a Texas Hold'em tournament to, for an extra in, buy-in. In the
1: back room too, right?
2: No, it's just oh, it's in not? the main room. So everybody can watch. Oh, oh okay. But there's three hands. Uh, there's a 6.30, a 7.30, and an 8.30. It goes for an hour. And for each one of those, the winners of each one of those, there's a Visa cash card <gasps> based on how many people bought into that game. Okay. So you could win 150 bucks. You could win 200 bucks, or you could win 250 bucks. Okay. And I do have to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Yes. Uh, Northwest Lending Group is the uh, presenting sponsor. So go get your mortgages there. Okay. We appreciate them. And then uh, we have table sponsors from Patricia Roberts, Betsy Johnson, Brett Estes and Eric Williams, Kenton L.J. Esum, the Van Dusen family, Old Town Framing, Fultano's Pizza in, Astor- in Astoria.
1: Great names, uh, yes.
2: Arbor Care Tree Specialists and oh, Bornstein Seafoods.
1: It. Oh, it's almost and, to your entire board right
2: there. And, and some of them have <laughs> sponsored this, Fultano's, from the very beginning.
1: Oh, I love and it. And we've been
2: doing this event like 15, 16 years. Yeah. And he's, he's the only one that's done it every year.
1: Thank you, Mark Carey.
2: Yeah, so we're excited by that. And he, he sponsors the blackjack table, and he kind of plants himself at that and the craps. Oh, okay. Oh, and then that's one of the others. Randy Stemper, or the Stemper, Stemper family, in honor of uh, Jim Ace Nikes, is sponsoring the poker table. Because Ace used to come to this event every year and play poker. Oh. And he, he never won till last year. It was the first time he won one of the pokers, <laughs> and he was just so funny when you beat him. He'd, like, throw his cards down, and he'd, like, <laughs> storm away and go, and go get some food, and, and be like, when's the next one starting? Um, and we're going to miss Ace terribly. Because um, he has come to this event every year, and he's just loved the poker. Uh, so the Stemper family is uh, sponsoring it in his honor.
1: That's great. So Good. Earlier that earlier day. Earlier that day,
2: we could do something else. What yes, could we do that Seaside, day?
1: Seaside, the city of Seaside was incorporated on February 17th, 1899, <laughs> making this their 125th year anniversary. Uh, the Seaside Museum is hosting a celebration. Um, and it's going to begin at 1 p.m there's going to be ribbon cutting a diorama uh, museum has exhibits on seaside's fire department which started in 1904 the seaside signal um, all sorts of fun stuff but that is february 17th at 1 p.m and that's the seaside museum in seaside but what 125 a, years
2: what a full day of it. history
1: i know so you can go there first and then yeah come to a story second that's exciting yeah and i also have a word of the day you have a word of the day i'm, I'm ready it. Prick my dainty. Oh my goodness. It's a noun, 16th century English. Prick my dainty.
2: It's a noun. Prick medainti. There's the picture. I'm going to show um, them the picture. Not that. Okay. Not that that gives them so any hints. So I guess first, so you can feel smarter than I do. You can be closer than I am when I guess. <laughs> um, I think just having no context whatsoever. Say it one more time.
1: Prick medainti.
2: I think, that, and it's a noun. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a uh, a small outbuilding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. These are lost words that we're bringing back that we can just, you know, when
0: we're in the office, say. I can see why it got lost.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I would say it is a noun in picking flowers. Ooh. Okay. It's a person, an overly nice
1: person.
2: Oh, that's why you chose it. It is because we have an overly nice person in the
1: room today. But I think that the the word may have gotten shortened to the first part of the word. Yeah. Prick medanti.
2: And it's no longer a nice person. And then
1: maybe not. It's yeah. like it's it an ironic. overly nice person.
2: But so. see, I don't take overly as necessarily negative. I mean, no, not it, at it all. It could be if you say it the right way. Well, but... again,
1: the English language is terrible, too, yes. right? It's <laughs> it's not the <laughs> Very hard to it's understand. Terrible.
2: Okay, I can I can predict right now that one's not coming back. Right. You can try, but that one's But
1: not. we're going to talk to an overly nice person coming up soon. Yeah.
2: Okay, so I'm going to whip through the history highlights Let's of the do day. do it, yes. Of course, these are things, uh, conversation starters, they're bar bet winnings, uh, trivia winning, whatever you might uh, uh, want to use them for. These are things that happen tomorrow. So we're talking uh, February 12th, 1789, Ethan
1: Allen dies. I saw that one. (laughs) Of course we're going to talk about that. And I
2: used to run the house that he died in.
1: Oh, I love
2: it. So there was the bedroom that he died in. So there was. Um, And of course, Ethan Allen, the Revolutionary War hero, stormed Fort Ticonderoga, got into it with Benedict Arnold, uh, called Benedict Arnold out when people still liked him, and uh, not anything to do with furniture, just for the record.
1: But he spent his life serving and promoting... In Vermont. Vermont. Vermont first. Yeah, he loved it.
2: Vermont first and and the United States second.
1: There we go. That's okay. All
2: right, uh, 1793, Congress enacts the first fugitive slave law. Yes. boo hiss. Yeah. And this was almost going to be my history highlight of the day, but I do have a a thing that I don't like to just because somebody was born Mm -hmm. make that the history highlight. But this is one that I would almost like, well, maybe. Uh, 1809, Abraham Lincoln is born. It's and, and, and he really is more frequently my number one president of all time. Every now and then George Washington kind of edges him out in my mind, but uh, Lincoln's usually number one. Uh, all right, so... Uh, oh, 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 I have totally forgot I was going to make you guess two of these. Uh, we're not going to do that. I thought about it, but I've already given some of the order. So 1879, the first artificial ice rink in North America Ooh. is at Madison Square Garden, New York City. 1879.
1: That's early. That's
2: why I knew you'd never get it. Right.
1: No. <laughs> and why I was gonna. Oh, we
2: should like guess on the air. for And I thought one. we
1: were just doing pawns at that time. Yeah.
2: 1879. Okay. Uh, 1938. Judy Bloom, popular young adult author, is born. How do we feel about Judy? Do we like Judy?
1: Yeah. It definitely made an impact on young adult uh, books. So she did, did, yeah. yeah. She did. Did you read? Of course,
0: I read okay. them back. Did you read? My children read. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm a little older. I I
2: know I know of them, but. <laughs> I never read them, so I can't speak to that. I know she was important. Yes. All right. Uh, 1955, President Eisenhower sends the first U.S. advisors to South Vietnam. Mm -hmm. We often forget Johnson takes a big hit and then Nixon, but it all started with Eisenhower and then John F. Kennedy up the ante. Right. Um, Laying the groundwork. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 1970 was the other one I was going to make you try and guess. Joseph Searles III becomes the first black member of the New York Stock Exchange.
1: I saw that one. Nineteen seventy.
2: Yeah. It just seems so late. It does. Like really? And I love his name. Yes. Joseph Searles the yep. Third. But our history highlighted thing I think had the most impact on history. Nineteen oh nine, the NAACP is founded. Uh, on February 12, 1909, the 100th anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's birth, a group that included African-American leaders such as W.E.B. Du Bois and Ida B. Wells Barnett announced the formation of a new organization called the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. It would have a profound effect on the struggle for civil rights in the course of 20th century American history. So, yeah. And the reason it was founded uh, came out of a conference that uh, was talking about lynchings. And one of the things that people seem to forget that don't pay attention to history, far more lynchings uh, in the 1890s and 1900s than in the 1860s or 70s.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: So huge pushback against civil rights and any equality. Right. And uh, it's in response to that, that we've got to do something that this group has formed.
1: I recently but. read the book Stamped, which takes a, a look at that, uh, at how it was formed, and really like the direction that the NAACP took, because those two leaders were um, disagreed pretty heavily on how to promote their advocacy. Um, uh, I mean, it was very um, black black and white. <laughs> they, they did not agree a- at all. Um, and it took different... Um, directions throughout the time, but it does remain the largest and oldest active civil rights group in the country. Um, now, with its emphasis really on voter registration, legal defense, and activism, mm-hmm. um, which is what they disagreed on at the time, which, sure. which of those avenues and then how would they promote that mm-hmm. um, at the time? So, yeah.
2: so, there we go. Yeah. History highlight of the day That's NAACP. Good. That's a good. Did one. I miss anything?
1: No, that was that. One, you had them and all. See,
2: you, were, you were setting up perfectly advocacy
1: yes because we do we have uh debbie ludl here with us this evening thank you for joining us thank you yeah as thank i you. said it took us a year in the making just to get her here because she's a busy woman <laughs> uh but let's get started with max uh ideal first question which was how you um or where did you grow up where did you start your life
0: i started in northern california a small community um fair haven i mean it's more like a village we, no store, no post office. Oh my so goodness. I grew up in a very rural, rural part of Northern California, okay. on the beach, just like, just like here. <laughs> a Little warmer though? Not at all. Oh, interesting. Just like here. So what brought you uh, north then? I went to school in Portland, and I just um, stayed. I didn't go back to California. And like I said, I came from a very small, small rural area. So I came to Portland, went to school. I went to work at, as a medical assistant way back in the day. Oh, how interesting. I know, kind of a full circle. Yes. <laughs> and then I moved to um, Warrington and I went to work for, well, first I moved to Central Oregon, went to Madras, worked for the Sheriff's Department. I was a 911 dispatcher for several years oh. and EMT. Then I we moved and I went to Moved to Warrington, and went to work for the courts, and spent 30 years with the Oregon Judicial Department, loved that job, and retired, and then I went, <laughs> I went I to Providence as a volunteer, and then COVID hit, mm-hmm. and I couldn't volunteer, so I um, was lucky enough to get offered an admin job that I took, and here I am. So retirement didn't last very long. No.
2: <laughs> Busy people usually it's it's not <laughs> something know. for them. They usually find volunteer work or they go back to work. She's
1: like so, almost full time right now too. So, I am. <laughs> so,
2: so there are a lot of exciting things there that you, you mentioned, and and very to me, there there are links, but they are also they seem kind of very different. So EMT and nine one one operator, what t- talk about because that strikes me as something that would be very hard to do mm, a nine one one operating because you're you're not getting people at their best or comest, So they're not. So describe that a little bit for people that, that don't really know what I, that means.
0: Jefferson County, Madras is very rural as well. And I was also a corrections officer because we had a small jail. So that was part of my duties as a 911 dispatcher was also to book in female prisoners and inmates, which we or or males, we could do males as well. The guys couldn't. But hmm. And it was baptism by fire. Here's your desk, here's the microphone, here's the teletype, and it was ticker tape at the time. So it came across not in any, you know, you were literally ticker tape. And you just learned how to answer the phone and prioritize. It was really baptism by fire, there was no training. There wasn't a book, there wasn't, um, you just, how many people could you dispatch? I dispatched for the sheriff's office. We dispatched the Madras Police Department, the sheriff's office, and in on a graveyard shift, OSP as well. Okay. So I loved it. It was exciting, but the hours were. I had two small children, and it made it hard to work a graveyard and then go home and get them ready to go to school. And so. And you had Ultimately, two boys. I have a daughter. Oh, a daughter, and, and a son. Okay. Right.
2: So So one last question on on being the 911, just because I am fascinated by that. Um, I picture in a big city like Portland, enough officers, enough people you could dispatch that somebody that's calling for an emergency, you could have somebody there in a relatively short time, perhaps, but in a big rural area where, hey, the closest sheriff's deputy is 20 miles away. Am I totally wrong on this? No, you're
0: not. It could take time big difference between rural and metropolitan mostly is our officers were alone single single car you know single person in a car and if it was bad enough you decided you would have to call somebody out but you still sent your officer and it could take 20 minutes it could take mm-hmm. a long time to get to a ranch or a farm or um, an accident between Warm Springs and Madras to dispatch so it there it yeah.
2: It must take a special person to do that, because I, I wouldn't...
0: Oh, the stress, I,
2: too. Yeah, just, I would be too stressed. The
0: physical that's stress, terrible. I think.
2: <laughs> and you were an EMT. That's amazing. And then you left there, and you went to work for...
0: I moved to Clatsop County. Well, actually, Rockaway. Mm-hmm. And I worked for Tillamook 911, and then I wanted daytime hours. Mm-hmm. So there was an opening at the Judicial Department, and I applied, and that started my 30-year career. Oh
1: my goodness. And and
2: what did you do there? What what does that mean?
0: Well, I covered 3 counties in the beginning, Clatsop, Columbia, and Tillamook. So I guess driving's always been my thing. <laughs> I started as a verification officer. They started a new program where you know, if you ask for an attorney and you can't afford one, you can be appointed one. Well, the state decided they were losing too much money, so they began a program that you would be verified. You'd have to fill out an affidavit, and so I verified um Income for people. And I moved into a release officer where I made decisions on who stayed in jail and who got out. and oh I my was goodness. a supervisor for the <laughs> courts. I ended my career as a, as a court supervisor. So I had varied varied jobs. And the biggest part was the last five years I traveled, we the state of Oregon put in a new digital file system. And I was part of the RFP and um, the bidding and the initiation of a new digital file filing system. Everything is online. so Which is nice. It yeah. is nice.
2: Just finding more and more stressful jobs that I, I can't imagine myself doing. <laughs> making oh. that decision of this person... I think has gotten their life figured out and is going to be okay versus I don't want to release this person because they'll do something again. they that, that, oh and my gosh. you made the I wouldn't decision
1: wanna... or made the recommendation? The decision. I made the decision. And how, wow. I mean, how do you do that? How, what information you, do you have to make the you, decision?
0: You learn to read people when you interview them. Okay. You, I had full authority for background investigations. Um, you just dig deep and people tell you a lot whether they want to or not. So just, one-on-one body language there's still a lot of people in this community that hated me at the time because they sure. were not released but they a lot of them had drug issues and um, now they're clean and sober and will give me a hug and say I think you saved my life by not letting me out so it was rewarding so you met them in jail men and women many times
1: oh my god because <laughs> obviously because you're deciding whether or not yeah. yes um,
0: how often did you come across people that you knew Oh, all the time. All the time. And we had family plans. I can tell you it was sad. We mm-hmm. would have grandparents and then the parents and then the children. It was just a perpetual right door. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? How do you continue
1: to raise children here, have a family? get? I mean, because you got very involved in the
0: community. Um, how does that investment work? Well, my daughter... Left home and went to, my daughter moved back to where I grew up and went to school and got married. so she's gone. and then my son he and I it was just he and I for a while. Uh, and he, he he just went with what mom did. I mean he all, both my kids knew my job and they knew the risks and knew that people could be unhappy with me. and so they were very cautious in everything that they did and they just were proud, I guess. Yeah. And they knew to stay out of jail. Um, Well, they knew that. I can tell you when my son got his driver's license, it would be a race to who called me first, the officer that gave him the ticket or him. Right. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yeah. I believe that. (laughs) I would get the phone calls. And during spring break in Seaside, I would tell both my kids when they were teenagers, I would say, you know, your school picture is on the visor of every patrol officer in Seaside. They know that if you're seen down there, you're just to be scooped and brought home. (laughs) It worked. Don't even go. Yeah, I love that.
2: I just want to know if your son was more worried about the police officer or you.
0: Me. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Me.
2: Please, anything, officer, don't
1: call mom. I don't want you to know.
0: Uh, Happy to say both my kids are fine upstanding producing adults. That's wonderful.
1: So at what point did you get involved with the
0: VFW and tell us about that journey? My husband, Bert, um, is a Vietnam vet, and he became a member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars probably around 2012 or so through uh, Leroy Dunn. Mm -hmm. I was working really, really busy. You need to join. You need to join. I I don't have time. I have a full-time job. I do this other, you know. Finally, I said, fine. If you just leave me alone, I'm not going to the meetings. I'm not. And then I met Muriel Dunn. Oh. And Muriel was my biggest cheerleader. And she said, you don't have to, just come. Just come to a meeting. And... I didn't understand what all the veterans of foreign wars does for our veterans and then it became my passion and so here I am today.
2: What did you see that made it that passion?
0: Veterans do not have all the resources that they should have and it's not and my husband particularly being a Vietnam veteran they didn't get the home, welcoming home that they should have but my dad is a Marine from Korea my brother is a CB from um Desert Storm, my son and my grandson, Afghanistan. So my family is heavy in the military. But our, our some of our veterans are forgotten, and we don't celebrate them enough. So I work to do what we can. We do fundraisers when we can. We built the monument in Warrenton. So um, yeah, the veterans of foreign wars is my passion. So you got plugged in because she said she was
1: just going to go to the meetings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens next? Because we'll, I mean, we're going to lead up the big tease here. Yeah. We have uh, um, Debbie Little here with us, uh-huh. because she is in a very prominent role now with the VFW. But again, so you started going to I meetings. I started
0: going to meetings, and Muriel was our treasurer and had been treasurer of the local auxiliary for a long time. And she says, well, I, I think you should run for treasurer. And I said, you know, I think I'll run for president. <laughs> because I think we need to make some changes. and We're not just a social club that just meets once a month. We need to do things. So I ran for president, and I have been president of the local <laughs> auxiliary ever since. Oh, my goodness. Since when? What year was that? Probably 2017. Okay. And then I went to the district level. Yes. Became district president, which is Class of Columbia um, Communities. Okay. And Six th- years ago. I went I, and I attended um, conventions and I approached um, up, the person who is the state president, department president at the time and I said, how do I, I want to be a chairman. I want to run a state program. I want to be involved. So she made me a chairman of the youth uh, chairmanship where all across the state we work with youth and do those reports. We have to turn them into the post side because that's how they maintain their nonprofit status. And then she said, "You know, perhaps you should start coming through the line. And I ran for guard, which is how they you go through a procession. I went through guard and then conductor, chaplain, junior vice, Senior vice, and this year, I in June, I'm now the state president for the Veterans of Foreign Wars Auxiliary for the Department of Oregon. For the whole state, and your goal is to visit every? Every, I have 37 auxiliaries. We just started a new auxiliary a few months back. My goal is to visit every auxiliary in an unofficial manner. Not there to take notes, not there to open my podium book and say you're doing this right or wrong. I have a shirt. It's a purple shirt that's got the outline of the state, and all of my line officers have that shirt. So if you see me coming to your auxiliary in a purple shirt, you know it's on. Un- it's unofficial, and I'm just there to to meet everybody. If I come back with my blue shirt, my cap, and my black pants on, it's an official visit, and we need to talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh no, I <laughs> like how the many, I like many the purple shirt.
1: Official visits do to too, but you also I mean,
0: because you also go to ceremonies. and Another things. I, d- too. I just came back from Midwinter, which is where we honor the Voice of Democracy. Uh, it's an essay program that the VFW promotes all across the state. And so we have a midwinter, the the winners got thousands of dollars. And that's one of the biggest things I do. I run a business meeting. We talk about what the business is, how we make money what we can do. I'm looking forward to National Convention, which is in Louisville. Oh, fun. But I'll be in Washington, D.C. in March for legislative. We're gonna knock on all of our congressmen doors and tell them what the priorities are for veterans. And what are those priorities? We need to not cut funding. The VA hospital takes big hits all of the time. We need, we passed the PACT Act, the Blue, Blue Water Act. Those are the type of the widow's tax where widows were being taxed twice. Oh. That's the type of stuff that we we promote and yeah. actually go into chambers for.
2: Because I want to make sure that we have enough time. Um, how does somebody if 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 they're not a veteran and they they're not related to a veteran, but maybe they they love what they just heard and they want to help. How how can some how can somebody help we either do t- locally or state?
0: We do take donations donations. We have a website both the post and the auxiliary the auxiliary and post run the concession stand at the ballpark in from april to july i can always use money. <laughs> if somebody wants to do physical help yeah um, that's kind of a fun job too it is it is a fun job unfortunately you do have to be a member to attend our meetings and that type of stuff but donations are open the city of warrenton gifted us with a building the old hammond library mm-hmm. and we are fundraising to Fix that up to make it a, a home. We don't have a home usable. Yes. Usable, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right.
2: So you talked about that you were responsible for the the uh, marker in in downtown Warrenton. What are in a couple of minutes we have left? What are a couple of the, the, your favorite projects that you've been involved in or most satisfying? I
0: will say the monument monument was the biggest one. That was 25 years in the making. They started fundraising, took a big di- a big dive and. I wrote a grant. My very first grant was successful for $80,000, and then the rest was fundraised by our communities. We have a great community. Warrenton is very big on supporting veterans, so that's the one I'm the most proud of. I am proud of being department president. Yes. It, it, that it's a would, big deal. It is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. so, it's a huge deal. Yeah, I am very proud of that, but I'm proud of the work that we do for the veterans here and in the state. So. I love
1: that. And then on top of that, she's volunteer coordinator at Providence Seaside <laughs> Hospital.
2: There's always a Providence Seaside Hospital In connection. In her <laughs>
1: spare time. Uh, I know. I, and I love I love that. My I Providence know. family. I know. you, And again, I love that story too, because again, Debbie started as a volunteer and then the pandemic hit. So Providence did have to ask our volunteers to step away for a little mm-hmm. while. Um, And then when they came back, when the program came back, it really needed a a robust
0: leader. So she's been amazing. Amazing. So Uh, Providence is taking volunteers. Just contact me.
2: (laughs) Do you have a purple shirt for that too?
0: No. (laughs) Yes.
2: Get her a purple shirt. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) We we have white shirts, black shirts. We have all
1: sorts of purple. I know. I have some in the gift shop I just brought
0: in.
2: So in 30 seconds, uh, I'm going to steal Alana's question. Mm -hmm. What keeps you here in, in Clatsop Mm -hmm. County? What, what do you love about this place?
0: my husband. who This is his, his home. Um, my children aren't here, but his, we're a blended family, and only one of his family are here, but I love the people. I love my job. I love what we've built here, and I love working for our veterans here. Thank you so much,
1: Debbie Little, for joining us tonight and for all of the service that you provide to our community.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you, Alana.
2: We Thank scraped you, the surface here. I feel like we could Do have we done know? another hour. There's a <laughs> we'll million have other back questions. In another
0: year. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: gonna take, I was going to say it's going to take, a, take
0: year a year to year. get
1: her back. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, go make some history. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.